And welcome to this week's episode of Slasher Street Podcast. My name is Ryan Devlin and thank you so much for joining me once again. This is a horror movie podcast where each week I will be reviewing and discussing in detail a different horror movie from our epic collection here at the house. Hope you're all having an awesome week and apologies for the delay in getting this episode out to you. This week's just been a bit chaotic so I haven't really had a, m- a lot of free time on my hands to record this episode even though I've been absolutely dying to record this episode for weeks now. Ever since I watched this movie for the first time, uh, I, re- I watched this movie that we're going to be talking about for the first time about three weeks ago, maybe even less than that, and I've already seen it three or four times. I'm absolutely in love with this film, so as you can tell already from the off, this this week is going to be so much more positive than last week's review of uh, Wrong Turn that we covered last week, which I did not enjoy at all. So this week I really wanted to get the positivity back up and talk about a movie that I, to be perfectly honest with, have fell in love with. So I'm super excited about this. Um, So again, I hope you're all having an awesome week. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you haven't already guessed, this week on the podcast we are going to be talking about The Barn which is a 2016 independent slasher film uh, which was completely funded by in, uh, an Indiegogo campaign. We're going to get into all of the things about everything about this movie, the history behind this movie, uh, the difficulties this movie faced, and then the absolutely incredible positive reaction that it got when it was released, uh, which is obviously now leading into a sequel, which is just fantastic, fantastic stuff. So um, now... Before we get into the movie, I just want to quickly say that I'm not too... Well, for the past 20 weeks, this is episode 21, so the past 20 weeks, we've been releasing these podcasts weekly on... Usually, I think it's been a Friday. Sometimes we've actually got them out a bit earlier on a Thursday, uh, but for the most part, they have been coming, you know every week on a Friday and normally I record it on a Thursday, release it on the Friday. So I'm not too sure about what the schedule is going to look like over the next, well from this point on to be honest with you because um, here in the UK everything is kind of getting a bit back to normal now. Um, So I'm working most of the time back in my office so for the past 18, 16 weeks or however long it's been I've been working from home um, and obviously that's given me a lot more free time uh, at lunch times and things like that to watch movies, write notes up rather than traveling back and forth from the office and things like that. Also now things like the, the pubs are back open, restaurants are back open. So I think life is really starting to get back to normal. You know, fingers crossed, touch wood, we don't get some sort of second spike of this absolute bastard shitter disease that's going around the world. Um, but hopefully at the moment everything's looking pretty positive in the UK so um, my schedule I've had at the moment of recording on a Thursday night, releasing on a Friday watching movies, typing notes up I'm going to have a lot less free time now so I'm still going to release a weekly show but when that's going to come I'm not sure so obviously the pubs are reopening from today, uh, recording this as of the Saturday so it should be with you on the Sunday or maybe earlier Um, so the pubs are actually open from today so I'll be going to the pub next week a few times and making up for lost time. Um, so it's just going to be, you know, maybe a bit different. So some weeks we're going to release it on a Thursday, some weeks will be a Friday, some weeks will be a Saturday, some weeks will be a Sunday. It's not really going to be a set schedule, but there will be at least one episode a week coming. Uh, I can promise you that. So just to, you know, for all the people who like to listen to the podcast on a weekly basis, um, I'm going to try and keep to a schedule as much as I can, but that's probably going to be, you know, it's probably going to be quite flexible <laughs> over the next well, from this moment onwards, really, as to when we can type the notes up, get everything sorted. Because a lot of work goes into recording these, you know, podcasts. You know, I type the notes up, record the show, edit the show. Uh, the whole thing, the whole process is probably around about four hours from, you know, start to finish, not including watching the movie. So, uh, but I don't mind. I, I love doing this. So it's a lot of fun for me. So anyway, talking about that uh Let's stop talking about that. Let's start talking about horror movies and for this particular episode, The Barn. So, um, as I said earlier, I absolutely love, 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 love this movie. Super excited for uh, for for reviewing this. Um, basically, if you want to watch this movie yourself, I think you can maybe get it on Amazon Prime, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um 
If you're in the UK, you probably the only real way to get a copy of this because I looked, I looked at Amazon and things like that because. Basically, it came recommended through the Killer Flicks group. Uh, I looked at Amazon, eBay, could not find a copy of it in my usual places. Uh, and then there was just a link on the um, Killer Flicks group that someone had posted about um, just someone said, you know, about the barn and then said, oh, well, if you want to watch the barn, you need to get it from Screen Team Releasing. So obviously, I've plugged those guys for the past few weeks on the podcast. Um, but really, that's mainly the only way you're going to get your hands on a copy of this, uh, unless you get it pre owned, luckily, somehow on eBay or something like that. Um, but yeah, if you want to watch this movie, head over to Screen Team Releasing. Just Google Screen Team Releasing. Uh, they have stores of loads of horror movies on there, loads of independent horror. Check out The Barn uh, and just do what I did, uh, which is basically bulk order. You know, order quite a few things to make the shipping to the UK a bit more affordable because you're probably looking around about 16 to £20 pounds shipping um, on top of your items. So it's a pricey endeavour, but it's definitely worthwhile just to watch these this movie. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. If you're, if you're listening in the States, then, you know, it's probably only $5 or something. It's probably really cheap to post to, uh, it, you know, internally in America, but... So that probably isn't too bad, but obviously if you do it from the UK, then it's probably going to be a bit more pricey. So let's just talk a little bit about the history of the movie. Uh, some of the things about this movie, just you'll love it before you even watch it, be just based on what I'm going to tell you right now. Um, now, obviously this is going to have a lot of spoilers in this review, so if you've never seen the movie, don't want to know what happens in the movie, probably best to not listen, but um, I... Yeah, we're going to have to go through spoilers and everything of this one because it was such a fun movie. So, the movie is directed by a guy called Justin M. Seaman. And yes, he loves how hilarious his name is. <laughs> he says that in all the special features of the Blu-ray. He absolutely loves it. So, he wrote this movie um, when he was eight years old or seven or eight years old. He was a big 80s horror movie fan and essentially wrote his own horror story creating these villains now the villains themselves are incredibly marketable villains we've got the uh the boogeyman we've got uh, the candy corn scarecrow and hallowed jack um they look amazing they have great names they all have uh, different abilities and different powers and just the fact that an eight-year-old child created this amazing story and these amazing characters just speaks volume for the creativity of this guy and just awesome that he managed to get this movie made and um you know it was always his dream to get this movie made and he eventually just said one day was, i think he, from what i can remember from the special features because i've watched them all because i just loved this movie so much that i just had to watch all the uh, the making of documentaries which i don't i try i don't really do a lot of uh if, with the dvds that i've got but this one i just had to watch the making of i had to hear the interviews with this guy and hear the interviews with the cast because it was just incredible um and basically he said if you know if he doesn't make this movie then somebody else will and he'll never be able to live with himself but he created this amazing story and just got it funded it's 100 percent funded on indiegogo um fan fan campaign fan film campaign kind of thing uh it got the movie funded and just went from there it's just just absolutely brilliant uh this movie it's a complete it's just a love letter to 80s horror movie 80s horror movies rather it's just done so so well um the just little things like the burn marks it, it's meant it's meant to look like you're watching an an 80s movie vhs that you've just found and put in uh and it just it looks so well done it just looks perfect so when they switch it from scenes in the movie they have like these um little burn marks in the sides and oh, it's just incredible it just looks awesome it feels genuinely like you're watching a, a vhs tape now the movie the movie that i kind of plugged last week which i also got from screen team releasing dude bro party massacre 3 that itself is also meant to look like a lost vhs tape but it doesn't really come across like that some parts of it does um but not the whole movie most of it looks like it's filmed on you know pretty modern technology cameras um and you know released on modern dvd high def but uh, this movie kind of feels like it was f created in the 80s and then f someone just found it now and put put it in so if you didn't know for me i think if you didn't know anything about this movie if you didn't know that it was the, the, the gimmick is that it's meant to look like an 80s movie 
and you just put it in and showed someone, I think they would probably think this was made in the late 80s. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't because the the CGI effects in this that they use, the practical gore effects, the uh, the VHS styling of it, the characters, the mannerisms, the costumes, everything about this film feels like it's in the 80s. And, you know, you could watch five movies, four of them from the 80s and this one, and it would fit, you know, just as well as any of the others. You wouldn't think this was made four years ago. You would think this was made in you know, 1988 or whenever it was meant to have been, meant to have been made. So, uh, so I had heard a lot of good things about this movie going in. So I did have high expectations, um, but I, I was super excited to check it out. Uh, and to be honest, I was just watching it because it's such a love letter to 80s horror that I just was nearly in tears the whole time. It was just so well done. And um, it was so well done, actually, that I re-watched it the next night, which I never do, never do. You know, even for movies that I absolutely love uh, and historically love from my from when I was a kid, you know, if I watch a movie, usually that's it for at least a month, maybe longer, you know. But this one, I was like, God, I'm going to have to rewatch it again. And then, obviously, for this review, I rewatched it again because it's just so damn good. Uh, and I just didn't mind. I mean, and the third and the fourth time that I watched it didn't have a problem. Didn't have a problem rewatching it because it's such a fun film. Now, I'm not sure on the budget of this movie. It's it was funded, I'd say, through Indiegogo. So I'm not too sure what the actual budget of this was, but if I was to guess, I would say probably somewhere between fifteen to twenty thousand dollars because it was this guy's first film. There was no real reason to have any belief that this movie was going to end up as good as it was. So I would probably say fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, maybe slightly more. Uh, the funding for the band two at the moment, which has an Indiegogo campaign, so you can see the link on the screen team releasing website if you want to back that. Um, and I think so far they've raised around about forty thousand dollars out of a out of a. I think the the goal was to raise about thirty thousand dollars, or just maybe thirty two thousand. So obviously that was going to fund the whole movie. So if that was for the sequel which they want to make even bigger and better, I would imagine this was a bit less than that. So, you know, they've already raised that and they've got to 40000 so the sequel's going to be... If they did this with a smaller budget, what they're going to do with the sequel, I'm super, super, super excited for. Um, so, and the thing is as well, with this movie, as we're going to get into with the trivia, um, there were so many things that went wrong from the original makeup effects team being fired to people walking out the movie being half finished um the um the director justin seaman he wasn't happy with the finished product um because it just looked cheap it looked nasty it wasn't what he wanted so he ended up getting the whole cast um back together so that they could refilm these scenes and a lot of the cast came back for free because they loved this movie so much so much and the passion behind what justin seaman was doing and that just speaks volumes the fact that these actors came back for free a lot of them didn't even live in the area um just to work on this movie and finish it and make sure it was as good as it possibly could be just showed how much passion and love goes into this movie and you can tell man you can tell when you're watching this movie just how much people love it um so Let's talk a little bit about the villains themselves because we've got um, Hallow Jack, the Boogeyman, and what was the other one called? I wrote it down here and I've totally, totally forgot his name. Hallow Jack, uh, the Boogeyman, and the Candy Corn Scarecrow. How can I forget that? I mean, that is the easiest name to remember, the Candy Corn Scarecrow. But as I said, these are super, super marketable villains. And the campaign for this movie, when it was getting made, it even had an incredible merchandise store. Like, they thought of everything when they were making this movie because they were releasing uh, an NES video game obviously you couldn't play it on if you had an NES <laughs> you couldn't play it on there but it was like a, a USB so you plugged it into your computer and it had like a, a NES cartridge kind of cover to it just super super cool stuff uh, it had board games uh, toys uh, <laughs> costumes obviously dvds vhs copies of the movie everything was just plowing into this super cool merchandise and i think that just caught the imagination of you know 
the horror horror community and how much people love that stuff like the guy who made this movie justin Seaman, is obviously a big horror movie fan he knows what horror fans like they like all that retro stuff they we like all that stuff so for him to just say right this is what we're going to do just caught everyone's imagination obviously all that stuff is sold out now i managed to get a signed poster they see they still had some signed posters left so it's signed by linear quigley it's signed by the whole cast it's signed by ari lehman just fantastic fantastic stuff um so anyway let's talk um the synopsis before we get into the actual movie itself the synopsis of this movie is it's halloween 1989 and best friends sam and josh are trying to enjoy their last devil's night before graduating high school trouble soon arises when the two pals and a group of friends take a detour on their way to a rock concert finding an abandoned barn and waking up the evil inside the boogeyman hallow jack and the candy corn scarecrow now it's up to sam and josh to find a way to protect their friends and defeat the creatures that lurk within the barn and it's just such a simple premise the whole thing is just such a fun movie such a fun movie but let's just right let's just get into this let's just get into it um uh the whole thing as well practical effects for the most part all the kills uh well the majority of the kills in this movie are on screen i think there's only two kills that are off screen but we that i i'm okay with that because when we actually discover their bodies it's practical it's cool it's original i love it so i can let them off with a couple of off-screen deaths because it's to build up to what to the discovery of them of their bodies uh, which just works perfectly well uh, there are some cgi effects in this as i say um but the not cgi kills there's only a few things that are cgi like sign signage and stuff like that and to be honest the first time i watched this movie i didn't even realize they were cgi i just thought they were um you know actual signs so the cgi in this is really good especially for such a low budget production um it really does you know come across really well it not like that shit that we watched last week wrong turn where the cgi was just oh all over the place awful but this fantastic um really done well uh awesome soundtrack as well god i've got all these good things to say about this movie before we even talk about the story of the movie really awesome soundtrack um the soundtrack is done by rocky gray who is the ex-drummer from evanescence and uh, he is a big horror movie fan and again he his imagination was captured purely of how good the poster is now the poster for this movie is beautiful it's absolutely gorgeous like there's two versions of the poster uh the, the version i have which is more of a cartoon version which uh, is signed by the whole cast and it's amazing it's a classic 80s poster whereas the other one it, the other one is still awesome it's got a picture of the barn it's got the killers on the top both are quintessentially 80s goodness and uh the guy guys who were behind the barn they released the poster along with the indiegogo campaign saying this is what we're looking to do this is our idea this is our vision and rocky gray who is a huge international star and he is a huge um producer he has his own record label he has his own studio he does soundtracks for uh, for quite a few different movies out there and he also does his own movies i believe as well his own indie horror movies so he just saw this poster and was like i need to be a part of this i need to get on board with this and he did and obviously it's not every day that some big rock star comes to you to say i want to do the music for this but the soundtrack is incredible the there's songs in this movie which i mean what i would presume is in a local band that the, the justin seaman knows personally but the songs work really well the original score works really well it's just perfect it's 80s but it does it feels like it's a modern twist on 80s but it just works so so well and uh, there's some amazing cameos in this movie as well two cameos by ari lehman who obviously played the very first jason in the original friday the 13th and linear quigley who is a scream queen she's been in loads she's been in uh well it was only two weeks ago we were talking about linear quigley from return of the living dead uh and she looks totally different <laughs> she plays a totally different part in this uh she plays like this um kind of pure 
priest, like a priest or a, a vicar kind of character, and uh, like a total bitch <laughs> to the kids. But yeah, she's a totally different character to who she normally plays, which is obviously quite a slutty, you know, you know, person. <laughs> she always plays that character, doesn't she? Uh, but she looks totally different now. It's obviously how she looked in the eighties, but she's still, you know, she hasn't, she doesn't, hasn't aged terribly. Um, so the two, what I like about these two cameos, be that Ari Lehman, he plays like the shock jock Doctor Rock from the Rock from the Rocks show or whatever it's called, Doctor Rock's Rock show or something like that. Um, they are in it enough to get a pop and to get that mainstream attention, so you know people can go, oh, Ari Lehman's in this movie, that's cool, um, and you know Linnea Quigley's in this, that's cool, but. They're not in it enough to take away from the actual main cast and they don't take away any other spotlight or anything. They're just in it enough for you to go, oh shit, there's Ari Lehman. Oh shit, there's Linnea Quigley. That's cool. And then we move on. So, and I believe they're both signed up to the second movie as well. So that's kind of cool. And uh, so anyway, let's get into the actual movie. I think we've been talking for around 50, oh my God, 20 minutes we've been talking about just the backstory of this of this movie. So let's get into the actual movie itself and uh, the movie starts in 1959 uh, and this is an awesome scene an awesome start to the movie where we see the vicar who uh, he says you know don't go to the old barn you can go trick-or-treating all over the town but don't go to the old barn there'll be no one there just don't do it but of course these two kids they go there anyway uh, and they awaken the three villains you know they awaken the boogeyman candy corn scarecrow and hallowed jack and the girl, there's a guy, guy and a girl, <clears throat> and the girl gets a pickaxe to the head. Uh, just put great practical effect on screen. Great way to start the movie. And the thing that gets you this one as well is the girl is actually pretty young. Like, a lot of the times, you know, people who are killed in these kinds of movies are, well, at least 18 years old. They, villains don't ever really kill children. Or at least not that often, you know. It's very rare in a horror movie that you see a child get killed. But this girl, she's probably only... I don't know, maybe she's older. But she only looks probably about 13 or so. Uh, maybe even younger than that. But she could have been older. We don't really establish that. And she gets killed off pretty quickly. So you just know from the start that this isn't going to be your normal standard slasher movie. Because they're already, within two minutes, pushing the boundaries of what they can probably get away with. But it's an unrated movie. You know, this movie was never intended for a cinema release. It's just an independent movie that they just wanted to get out there. Indiegogo funded. So they can really... And that's what I love about these kinds of movies. They don't have to appeal to the mainstream audience because they're not trying to appeal to the mainstream audience. They're not trying to get on billboards. They're not trying to get your random teenagers to go to the cinema on a Saturday night and watch this movie. They're not getting any TV time to advertise this movie. They don't care about that. All they care about is creating a unique, um, fun, and original homage to 80s slasher movies. And that's awesome. That's what they're... They are solely marketing this to a very small amount of people which takes so much bottle because they know that this movie isn't going to be going all over the country. It's not going to be uh, watched by kind of neutral people. They are really selling this to one set market and that's what I love about this. And you can tell when you're watching this movie that it's aimed at me. It's aimed at us, the horror movie fans. It's not aimed at, you know, two kids randomly going to the cinema on a Saturday night. It's aimed purely for us. And I think that's just why I love it so much because... You know, you can tell this is a passion project. It's a love, it's a love passion project. It's not, it's a labor of love. It's it's not something to make money out of. So I just, oh, just can't say enough good things. Anyway, we jump thirty years later, thirty years into the future to nineteen eighty nine, where the rest of this movie takes place, and we introduce, we get introduced to Sam and Josh, who are our two main characters. Um, and they're playing pranks on these kids, telling the kids the story of the three villains, uh, telling the story of the barn, the legend of the barn. Uh, and they scare Linnea Quigley's character. Uh, just a hilarious scene because she throws up this kind of, you know, like a little bucket that you collect the that you collect your trick-or-treat stuff in, throws it in the air, 
and it whacks her on the head. It's just hilarious. And totally, like, if you watch the bonus features of this DVD or the Blu-ray, um, <laughs> they filmed like that six times and they show every take. And only on that last take did they throw it up and it hits her on the head just by accident. So that's the one they used. Um, <clears throat> and she plays, like the like I said earlier, the town's um, kind of vicar. The, you know, the... Yeah, I'd say she's a vicar, uh, who, as punishment for scaring her and to sc- for scaring the kids, Sam and Josh have to go door-to-door trick-or-treating, I suppose they're doing. No, not really trick-or-treating, but they have to go door-to-door the next night, which is Halloween night. This is Halloween Eve, uh, collecting food for the local food bank, local food charities. Uh, and so they don't get to have one last Halloween. And just yet. We go to a roller rink as well, like a skating rink. You know, like a kind of a roller disco style thing. Typical 80s kind of affair. Slash, uh, slash um, like a burger joint. And uh, it's like got old style arcade. It looks again like it's in the 80s. Which I think a lot of things... When, you're try- when a lot of people are trying to make a movie. And they're trying to make a movie that is set in the 80s. A lot of people fail with the littlest of details. Like the clothes they wear. Uh, the backgrounds, uh, just little things, the hairstyles, little things like that that make you know that, you know, you're watching an 80s movie. This movie doesn't do that. The sets in this movie are 80s, the van that they uh, drive, the clothes that they wear, even down to the Halloween costumes they wear for trick-or-treating, it's absolutely 100% 80s. And just, there's nothing in this movie that takes you away uh, to make you think that you're not in 1989, which fantastic well done um we see the dr rock tv show which is ari the ari lehman cameo works perfectly obviously ari plays this old shock jock tv host very similar to the likes of like an 80s version of joe bob briggs um although joe bob was around then but you know that kind of thing you know he has these classic sets and again even that tv show looks like it's from the 80s and ari lehman plays it really well he's only in the movie for probably two minutes um but they give him like loads of uh, kind of costume changes in that time and he gets a lot of dialogue in so he does a really he's really good really good in this uh, ari lehman uh, and on his show we we see the band demon inferno who are just the most quintessential 80s metal band i think they've got I think that the, I can't remember the names, but they're like I think the lead singer's called he's something like um, Shadow Michaels or Brett something. It's like Brett Shadows. It's like the most eighties standard heavy metal band names ever. Uh, and they announced that they're playing a special one-off hometown show the next night. Now, would this work in the eighties? Because there are, does everybody watch the Doctor Rock Rock show? Um, I don't know, but you know, because obviously today's world of social media, you can announce a gig. You like say if the we well, we don't really know they're a, they're a fake band, you know, they're a fictional band. But say if these are the size of Metallica, probably not. But just for the sake of it, and Metallica went on social media and said tomorrow night we're playing a free show, whatever it is in this place. Chances are it would be full because of the power of social media, the power of local TV. Not everybody's watching this. I don't know. I can let that slide, though, because I absolutely (laughs) just adore this movie. So they decide to enjoy their last Halloween uh, before graduation. Then They're not going to... Uh, they're not going to go door-to-door. Well, they are going to go door-to-door food shopping, but they're going to like say, screw that, we're not getting punished. This is our last Halloween. Let's go out with a bang. Let's go to the Demon Inferno concert. They round up their friends and head out to the Demon Inferno concert. For some reason, they think this is going to make them legends. I'm not too sure how this is going to make them legends, but I kind of, even like on the third watch, I was listening and he was kind of like, oh yeah, this is the thing that's going to make us legends in this town. I was like, people go to gigs all the time, even in the 80s. So (laughs) how is this going to make you legend? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But another thing I really like in this movie is they introduce all the characters individually and give them enough time to get themselves over. Um, which is so, I just really enjoy that because a lot of the times in these kinds of movies, a lot of the characters, like I can't remember the names of any of the characters in some movies because they just get introduced to us all at once. Like they all get out of a van, they're all in a car. And even though they are introducing themselves, 
a lot of the time, like when someone dies, I'm like, oh, what was her name again? What was her name? Or what was his name? You know, and I just totally forget. Whereas in this movie, you know, Sam, Josh, Josh, Russell, Nikki, Chris, I remember uh, Michelle as well. <laughs> uh, I remember their names because they are very memorable characters. They're all introduced separately, given their own. Given they all have around thirty seconds to forty seconds to introduce themselves in different scenes and. It's just, again, really well done compared to a lot of similar movies where all the characters just get introduced at one time uh, and then it's just, they're all just kind of lost. You know, like by the time they've introduced themselves, you've forgot their names. <laughs> it's just, whereas in this, no, you, you do know their names from the off. Um, they borrow Chrissy's van. Now they cock block Chrissy because he's getting to second base. Um, and they totally cock block this poor guy. And he, But he does get laid later on. He gets laid before he dies. So that's one thing for this guy. At least he has that. Uh, and all the characters in this movie, I just want to quickly say, are very likeable. There isn't... Like, Chris is meant to be the dick of the group. And... Um, he isn't like he's still an incredibly likable character. Russ, he's an incredible. He's like the actor who plays Russ. I'm not too sure who plays him, but he plays it really well. He's such a cool, likable fella. So all these characters you are rooting for, like even the asshole character, you're still rooting for him because he's a pretty cool guy. Um, now they pass through on their way to the next town because they're going to stop at the next town to do the trick-or-treating to get the money for the food bank they pass through a town called deathville although it's not called death it's like the town's been kind of changed the sign's been changed to deathville and that just reminded me of a, a keenan and kel episode like two heads are better than one where they go through rugsville and it's like a haunted abandoned town just deathville just fantastic um and they find the barn at this point in time, they don't know that this is the actual barn. Or do they? It's not really established if they know that this is the barn from the tales. I don't think they do know that. Um, it's not. But they do sit around the campfire and tell stories of the barn. And Sam tells the stories of the villains and how they kill people. And the, just in general, the, uh, the folklore legend of these things. But I don't think they realise that they're actually standing outside of the actual barn. Um, at least I don't. At least I don't think so. Maybe they do. Um, but hey, um, another great bit of dialogue in this section as well when they're all talking around the campfire. Um, I think Sam is telling a story of uh, Hello Jack, and he tells some about how he killed someone and ripped their skull out. And then Chris says, "You know that's all bullshit because it's not possible to carve someone's skull out." Well. Later in the movie, we find out that's not the case, Chris. But, you know, that just kind of sets it up perfectly because you know that it was very similar. What movie was it that we watched the other week? Oh, what movie was it? Where someone... I can't remember. Damn. It was a game where someone said something about they can't do this or they can't do that and then that's what ended up getting... That's what ended up happening to them. Oh, man. Oh, if that comes to me, I will. I will say, but I can't remember what that was now. Oh, that's so annoying. Hmm. Damn. Well, never mind. But I can't. I can't remember what it was now. I've just. Yeah. Ah. Well, let's move on. Let's move. <laughs> I don't want to think about that for too long. But yeah. So they dare Sam to knock on the barn door. Trick say trick or treat three times. You know, they all go with him, um, and they awaken. The villains, they awaken the three killers, the three evil spirits of the barn, the candy corn scarecrow, the boogeyman, and Hallowed Jack. Um, now, but they don't see them at this point in time. They just go into the barn and they don't see it. Now, they all go into town, but Russ stays behind in the barn. They kind of check the barn out. It's all like really creepy and stuff like that. And Russ is like, oh no, I'm going to I'm gonna stay here and check out the barn. And you're like, what why would you do that why would you do that like yes two of them are going to get laid but why wouldn't you go into town with the three other guys and you know he's like oh no i'm just gonna stick around and check out the barn in the middle of the night and listen to his heavy metal music it's like come on man it's terrifying out here um so 
But uh, so they all go up, but he for some reason stays in the barn on his own. And this is where we meet the boogeyman officially for the first time. Uh, we can't, we do see him early in the movie when he kills that girl, but for the first time is where we actually see uh, the boogeyman. Uh, and Russ is killed off screen. So this is what I said earlier on, where a couple of the kills in this movie are off screen, but when we do eventually find find the bodies later on that payoff is worth that and i feel like that works really well because all the ones that are killed on screen the effects are great and um it, it it's it looks super good whereas this one i was like oh killed off screen but then when we discover the bodies like right that's good because i would much prefer that to have that big payoff at the end um so anyway, Sam, Josh and Michelle, they go into the town to trick or treat, fill their bags up, you know, get this job done. And they're all wearing very basic 80s costumes, which is another thing I really love about this. Because obviously in today's modern world of Halloween, maybe not so much in the UK. Well, yeah, kind of, you know, people Halloween trick or treating, but definitely in America, there's a big cosplay thing now, isn't it? It's like, has been for probably the past decade um the nerd culture of things has came to the top uh of people's things so cons and stuff like that people love a cosplay people have professionally made costumes now and it's just sign of the times of um people's fandoms and things like that they have super good costumes whereas in the 80s they didn't really have that they just had the basic do you want to be a devil do you want to be a ghost do you want to be a witch do you want to be frankenstein they didn't ha and also you know maybe some people went dressed as like things like jason and freddy krueger and stuff but for the most part they didn't really have those costumes available until the 90s so people in the 80s they just had kind of standard bog standard costumes and they do like they wear the devil he wears a devil costume uh, josh uh, Sam wears the kind of skeleton costume. Uh, Michelle wears like just a standard witch costume. So they're all cheap, basic costumes, but it just really works because it it fits in perfectly with the fact that we are in the eighties. So back at the barn, we see the candy corn scarecrow for the first time, and he kills Nikki, who is Chris's girlfriend. Now she, they do get laid before this. We kind of see that our one and only time in the movie we see any boobs, and they're fake boobs. They're not really the girl's boobs who plays the girl in the movie. They are. A, she's got a boob double, <laughs> so because she didn't want to get naked. So you know, you can kind of tell as well when you're watching the movie. They have like this close up of her boobs. And they look totally different to her when we see her actual, actually clothes. You know, they're, they're over-exaggerated. But, you know, I'm sure there's blokes out there that won't complain about that. But you do get a boob close-up in this movie. Only once, though. Um, not like something like Sleepaway Camp where every scene is, is boobs. Uh, anyway, she gets her arm cut off. And this looks pretty decent. You know, the Candy Corn Scarecrow, he just cuts her arm off. It looks pretty good. And we don't really see her until later in the movie. And again, the payoff of that is so damn good. The payoff, uh, we, we see her get her arm cut off, but we don't see, um, you know, we don't see what happens to her next. But the payoff of that is brilliant. Uh, so Chris, he goes to the barn to try and find Russ because he thinks that he's perving on them. And he finds the boogeyman. He finds him and he's mincing up Russ and eating him. And oh, it looks it looks gross. And we see Russ's head. And this is the payoff because it looks so good. The head itself looks such a damn good job. Um, the makeup, I don't actually know if it's his real head or a prosthetic, like, you know, head, but... It looks so good, like perfectly done. The gore looks good, just great stuff. Really good, really good reveal, really good practical. Um, so Chris, he manages to escape and runs into the town. Now, this is probably my only, only minor complaint about this movie. Um, the first time I watched it, I was like, hmm, yeah, okay. And then the second, third time, I was like, yeah, okay. I, this is the only thing that I feel this movie could have done better on. And to say that this is the only thing that the movie could have done better on is crazy. You know, there's so much good stuff about this. But the villains themselves are pretty easy to escape from and pretty easy to defeat later in the movie. So although they are super scary, super well done, super cheesy, they are pretty easy to defeat. So that... 
my one and only complaints about this whole movie, to be honest with you. Um, so, the three demons, they head into town and they go on this big killing spree. We see them killing people in houses and it's just... It just it's just awesome. They just go and kill anyone basically without a Halloween costume, they go and kill. <laughs> so um there's we get to the high school Halloween dance, um and there's this badass bluegrass punk band playing, and it's just super good. Like I was like, man, really good tunes, really cool scene. And uh, the vicar shows up, who we met at the very start of the movie, back in 1959. And it's like he just shows up to like do like this speech on the stage, and um, <clears throat> they give him. And I have a, I think I know why they did this, but I just it there was no need to do it whatsoever. It's hilariously bad. They kind of give him this stuck-on beard because we see him in the next scene, which I'm guessing was filmed before this scene. I'm guessing they filmed the scene in the barn. Uh, later in the movie where the vicar has a natural beard and then they had to bring him back to film this scene at which point in time he had shaved said beard so because that scene was set in the future it was already in the books they couldn't go back and re-film that they had to give him a fake beard to you know to kind of explain you know he does have a beard you know because you couldn't have had one scene with him having no beard clean shaven and then a scene that was meant to have happened an hour or two later with a full beard so i can totally see why they did it but the beard looks absolutely terrible (laughs) it looks hilariously bad it looks like the beard from that gary gets stuck on when he gets turned into a terrorist in team america world police it's like (laughs) it's like these stuck on random bits of fur and i don't know if they did it on purpose and plus it's black (laughs) the beard itself is black when we see him later in the movie, he has like a natural grey beard. So it's just... I almost think they just shouldn't have bothered doing that. I think it didn't... It added to the hilarious nature of the whole thing. But it didn't really... I think they could have got away with having him clean-shaven in this scene and then having a beard in two hours later. Um, I didn't think there was any, any need in it whatsoever. Uh, he just had this terrible terrible beard it was like you say durka durka stan beard from team america world police now uh we see george as well in this scene who was the boy from the start of the movie back in 1959 and he tells sam and josh um basically what happened all those years ago uh they don't believe him obviously even though this is sam's life like literally this is all sam has going for him he just loves the tale of the of the barn he loves all the the, the backstory about it and stuff like that like he he literally lives for this shit and he doesn't believe um george who is the guy from the start of the movie uh even though he's you know the barn reopened itself earlier in the day his granddad told him the story of the three villains but he just doesn't believe it for some reason um which i thought was very weird because why would you know he 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 is out of everyone he is the one who would believe this story but hey hell you know whatever and uh he tells them that the killers they take the flesh back to hell the boogeyman's actually the miner who dug the tunnel from hell into the barn and that's how the demons arise from hell for their feast on halloween night so presumably this happens every year but only if they're awoken which presumably they never are um so it's kind of a good back. It's kind of covers all bases. It gives him a good backstory of the town of the of the killers and things like that. But um, it's believable as well because up until that point they were awoken thirty years ago by him, and then he has done everything in his power to to stop people going back to the barn since then. So I suppose that is quite believable. Um, but hey, we have this absolutely incredible kill montage like honestly this is one of the most fun things i've seen in a horror movie for probably ever and it this particular scene i mean i was in love with this movie anyway to be honest with you i was absolutely in love with this movie but this scene is so damn good it's a kill montage we have so many practical kills Uh, somebody gets their face ripped off somebody gets like a corn stick through the eye um people get 
you know, spiky fingers through the back of the head, through in there. Uh, loads of gut, blood and guts going everywhere. Loads of great practicals. Um, it's just awesome. It's just super fun. It's cheesy, insane goodness. And, um, you know, probably around 20 people or more get killed off. Um, probably get die on screen in around three minutes. So... It's just such a fun, such a fun scene because up until this point we have had quite a few good kills to be honest. I was and I, I was kind of, you know, bigging myself up here that there was gonna only be the kids who are the main kids who die, and maybe one or two others, but no, literally the whole town gets butchered and it about twenty odd thirty people get killed in three minutes. It's it's a if you're a horror movie fan, if you, which obviously I listen to this podcast, presume you are. If you're a fan of practical effects, all that good stuff, you will absolutely love this scene. This movie is worth watching just for this scene alone. The montage, the music, everything is so good. And um, George, he tries to fight them off, and uh, but he dies pretty easily. He dies. <laughs> he's like, go on, I'll get you. He's got like this big stick, and he just gets killed off within like a second. Uh, again, it's a good kill. Like he gets his his insides ripped out. It looks pretty damn good. And uh, Sam and Josh, they escape. Uh, they get their gardeners from hell clothes on, and get ready to fight the villains. The thing with George is hilarious because he's had his whole insides ripped out. I think he's had his heart ripped out and everything. And uh, he's just kind of lying there talking to, talking to Sam and Josh normally before he dies. It's super good. Super funny. I think it's meant to be quite tongue-in-cheek. That's it. It's not meant to be taken seriously. It's very funny. And uh, we find Chris's head. This is another great scene. So again, earlier in the movie, he said, oh, it's impossible to get your skull ripped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find him, his head's like in some sort of sack. They take the sack off and his head, his skull has been carved out and his, his head is turned into a hollow jack-o'-lantern. So it looks super fun. Um, the effect probably could have been better, but eh, it looks good. I'm happy with it. And we also find Nikki's body as well in this next scene. And it's a total homage to Cannibal Holocaust. There's quite a lot of homages to 80s horror movies in this. Um, definitely the Cannibal Holocaust one here where her body is impaled on a spike. And uh, her eyes have been ripped out. Her tongue's been ripped. It just looks awesome. Look really good practical. Her arms off. It's a great homage to... Um, to Cannibal Holocaust. We also get a slight homage to The Burning, and not really by uh, any kills that happen, but we're just like almost, they almost get a shot, and it perfectly copies the DVD Blu ray cover of The Burning with the two um, ugh, garden shears. It just looks really cool. Like, like within 10 seconds, like, Cannibal Holocaust, The Burning, they just get all of them in straight away. Um, this movie has these classic CGI lighting effects as well. So anytime the villains get punched or knocked over or stabbed or killed, uh, they have this like classic CGI outline kind of lightning effect. It just I think it just adds to it perfectly for me. Um, just ma again makes it feel it makes it feel like it's made in the eighties because that's what they had back then. That's the CGI that they had. So although it maybe looks a bit cheap. It works perfectly well in this movie. And uh, we get back to the barn so they can destroy the flesh. And it was the vicar all along. And this is where we see the vicar with his natural white beard. Not the Durka Durka Stan beard from Team America World Police. <laughs> it's like, and he worshipped the devil. He's the one who brings them here for the feast. Uh, classic 80s twist, as it is, of course. And um, there's demons there in the, in the church, kind of the church barn who have visited from hell. Michelle is there. She's been used as a sacrifice. Uh, the costumes look good of the extra demons, I think. You know, just quite standard costumes. Practical costumes, though. That's what I like. Uh, Josh, he killed the candy corn scarecrow, but we don't see that on screen, which is a shame. Uh, we kind of see bits of it, but not a lot of it. But any anyway, he... Uh, Comes in, dresses the candy corn scarecrow. Uh, he took his costume and they both defeat the vicar. Sam and Josh defeat the vicar, freeing Michelle. Now, the vicar does die pretty quickly. Uh, just get a quick stab through the chest and that's him done. So, he dies pretty easily. 
the demons in the church die pretty easily as well but the effects on there are really good like they get the head sliced off all that good stuff blood everywhere it looks super super good uh so sam he manages to save michelle from the sacrifice and tells her to escape take the food parcels with her uh take them to linear quigley's character and you know he wants to be remembered for doing the right thing the right thing here would be to get in the van and drive away <laughs> back to your hometown because these demons are going back to hell at midnight yes they've eaten their flesh but these people have already died so there's no i don't that bit i didn't quite get but you know go home <laughs> drive away there's no need to uh follow this up but they go um back into the church because they want to destroy into the barn rather not the church uh, because they want to destroy the flesh before midnight so the feeding doesn't happen because all these people are coming up from hell for the big feeding and we get the final battle in the basement of the barn between sam and the boogeyman which really good because throughout the whole movie it's bigged up that sam is scared of the boogeyman it haunted his dreams from the stories that is his granddad would tell him and things like that so that was really good that the final battle was between sam and the boogeyman and we find out here that the boogeyman was actually wearing a wig and the helmet of someone called daniels the whole time and uh, he's obviously once we take off the the wig and the helmet and stuff like that he's kind of he looks more like a demon more like a boogeyman so but i'm i'm not sure what that was like coming from like daniels like sam reads it goes what the hell like he's quite shocked that it says daniels and it i'm like well did he steal that from someone I, I didn't get that connection and i've seen it three or four times now and i still i've been looking out for that connection and i just couldn't find it so if anybody knows what that means please do let me know because i couldn't find a connection between that daniels and maybe it was daniels like the the miner's real name before he died and then went to hell and I just didn't get it i didn't get it but you know i understood that he was wearing a wig to kind of make himself look more human but i don't know i didn't know why the daniels came from so please help me out on that if you can um did he steal it from a human hundreds of years ago on the way from hell i, I don't know um the i say the boogeyman looks really good as well he looks more like a demon without his hat and helmet on and sam beats him pretty easily i mean out of all of the villains this is probably the one that takes the longest to kill. We don't see the candy corn scarecrow get killed, I don't think. We see Hallow Jack get killed, where he gets killed with kind of the, the the plant killer and then they blow his head up. But obviously later on the movie we know he doesn't actually die. But So the boogeyman is the one who lasts the longest. He is the one who is the most difficult to kill. He is the final boss, but they still kill him pretty quickly. Just spared to the head and cut his head in half but it looks really good like looks solid practical effects um and basically sam and josh they they know they're trapped in the basement the devil's coming for his feast and they realize they tricked the treat by poisoning and destroying the flesh so now they have to be tricked themselves because they tricked the treat so they have to um stay and fight the devil because the devil's coming for his feast and the very last thing we see in the main movie is the devil's arm coming up from hell and sam and josh like going to attack it and then it goes boom the barn and it perfectly sets up the second one which i believe is going to be called the barn part two devil's railroad maybe that's not going to be the actual title maybe it's going to be called part two but i'm pretty sure the second one is going to be based in hell from the information that uh, justin seaman has put on the indiegogo page for part two uh, his concept art from when he was younger um, it looks like we're going to hell for the second one so that'll be really cool super looking forward to that and there is a post-credit scene in the movie with michelle driving off um you know she thinks she's got away but there's a pumpkin in the back and hollow jack respawns so at this point in time only hollow jack is still alive the boogeyman's 100 dead because he's cut in half uh candy corn scarecrow presumably dead so hello jack is the one who survives he respawns in the van again it's the perfect ending because it leaves it open for that second one 
where we want to find out what happens to Michelle. We want to find out if she if she survives Candy Corn. Uh, sorry, Hello Jack. Um, we want to find out what happens to Sam and Josh. Do they go to hell? Does the devil get them? So it's all left very open-ended for that part two, which I'm really, really excited for. Uh, really, really looking forward to seeing. So in summary, just to sum up this one, I absolutely love this movie, if you didn't already tell. The only things that I'm not, like, not that I'm not a fan of, but the only thing, the only minor complaints I have about this movie is that the villains are a bit easy to kill. They're a bit weak. Not weak in the story. The actual villains themselves are incredibly well done. And the kills in this movie are super, super good. So they're not weak in killing people, but they get killed pretty easily. So that's my only minor complaints about this whole movie. The story is easy to follow. I can't say enough good things about this whole thing. Easy to follow story. Loads of on-screen practical kills. Good acting. You know, that's something as well. A lot of these independent movies have pretty, sometimes, not all the time, have some sketchy acting. And um, I didn't find the acting in this movie to be bad whatsoever. I thought it was pretty good, to be honest with you. I thought, as a highlight, Russ was a highlight. I thought he was very good acting. Uh, Chris was good. Um, Josh was good. Sam's character was out of the whole group maybe the weakest of them all but i still think he did a good job and uh, especially on a second and third time watching i really enjoyed his performance so acting was good good cast the cast were incredibly good good cameos fun marketable villains like you could really i'm really looking forward to the barn part two because i want to see if they bring these three villains back because that was what was a big selling point of this movie was the villains how the villains looked uh the names of the villains that was a huge selling point of this movie so because two of them died and only hallow jack survived i'm not sure how he's going to do that in the second one but maybe he's gonna he's gonna have to bring them back gonna have to bring them back surely to god somehow he'll have to they'll respawn in hell or something like that um but for me this for me is a perfect movie for my taste it's cheesy it's got incredible practical effects. It's a good story. Classic 80s feel to it. Um, it's made with love. I know that's kind of cheesy to say, but it really is. It's such a passion project. It's a labour of love from Justin Seaman. He did such a good job with this. I can't applaud him enough. So 100%. Would I recommend this movie? Yes. This is right now probably a top 10 movie for me because... I just, I just love it. I just fell in love with it. I could rewatch this movie every night for the rest of my life and never get bored. Like it's that kind of movie. It's that kind of fun movie that, if there was only gonna be this movie left on Earth, I'd still enjoy it. <laughs> so, very, very good. I'd give this movie a nine out, maybe a nine and a half out of ten. Probably stick with a nine because you know there's a few things that could be better, but not really much. And we're talking minor things, so. 9 out of 10 for the barn. Check it out. Screen team releasing. Or try and find a copy somewhere, but definitely check this movie out. So, to end the podcast, as we have done um, every week, <laughs> we're going to end it with a bit of trivia about this movie. Now, we've already got into quite a lot of trivia about this movie in this episode. So, some of this, I'm trying not to repeat myself too much, but we'll 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 get there. So, let's get into the trivia. So, um, the production was plagued with issues and eventually was shut down halfway through filming. However, director Justin Seaman convinced the entire cast and crew to come back and finish his lifelong dream project. Almost everyone came back and worked for free, even after some of the actors had moved to places like New York because they, uh, because they, and but they all came back because they believed so strongly in the director's vision. How amazing. Just amazing. Uh, the original special effects artist was fired and every scene with effects had to be reshot, which cost the production thousands of dollars. And again, in the special features of the Blu-ray of the making of, they don't hide any of this. They don't hide any of the issues that they had filming this. It's out in the open on the DVD for you to that they talk about you know they're pretty open with it all and what happened and honest and i really appreciate that and they kind of show you what some effects looked like 
with the original special effects team and then they brought in a new team who again wanted to be a part of the project loved the idea and then they showed you what their effects looked like which was the finished job just chalk and cheese you know just couldn't couldn't be different it was like you know kind of takeaway burger versus steak burger from a five-star restaurant it's like that's the difference between what these effects look like um writer slash director justin seaman portrayed the boogeyman as a last resort because they couldn't find an actor who was willing to undergo the extensive makeup required for the part and i bet you now there'll be loads of people wanting to play that role in part two uh, a body double was used for Nikki Darling's nude scene, which I said before, you know, with her boobs. Um, the character of Nikki was originally conceived as a ditzy blonde cheerleader. After Nikki Darling impressed the director with her audition, the character was changed to a rebellious rocker chick who used to be a cheerleader but was kicked off the squad. So, again, kind of switching the rules upside down here and finally nearly all of the wardrobe was found in thrift stores so that wraps up the that wraps up the trivia for this week uh, i think we're going to go pretty much dead on an hour for this show as well we're almost at an hour so i think we're going to go dead on an hour but that wraps up the trivia for the band so that's episode 21 wrapped up and in the bag i hope you've all enjoyed this week's episode and um, i implore you please 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 go and check out the barn it's just such a super fun movie it's well worth your time and money supporting these guys in what they're doing bringing independent horror to the masses because it's so awesome and uh, i would highly recommend to go and check out the indiegogo page for the barn part two the link is on the screen team releasing website click that and you know if you've got money to spare then back it you know just because i think the perk is only about 30 dollars the the main one uh, it's thirty dollars. So that's, if you call them from the UK, it's like twenty-one pounds, and I think you get a blue, the Blu-ray, a signed poster, and it comes in like a special um, VHS-style box for when the Barn Two is ready. And I believe it's going to be ready at the end of the year. They were originally trying to get it out for Halloween, but then the Corona shitstorm started, so I think they had to push that back. Filming was delayed massively, so hopefully it's going to be ready by the end of the year. And I'm super, super excited. So go and check that out. Definitely go and check that out. It is well worth your your time, your your money, your investment into these guys because you know when you watch this movie, you'll you'll know exactly what I mean. Just the love that went into this. Can't say enough good things about it. So next week on the podcast, I was a bit unsure about what to do next week on the podcast, to be honest, and I'm still a bit unsure. So um, we're kind of going to leave it open-ended because I'm not sure what movie we're going to do because I've got a ton of movies that I want to watch this week um, that I haven't watched in a long time, some new movies as well. So what we're probably going to do is I'm going to kind of give it a couple of days, see what I feel like, and we're going to watch a few movies as we do anyway in the house, and then I'm going to just pick one of them. So it's going to be a bit of a surprise next week as to the movie, uh, which, you know, it's going to be coming pretty early because this is going to be released on Sunday and I'm going to try and get the next episode out before the weekend because that's just, you know, I don't want it to go like two weeks without a show. So we, um, I'm going to try it. So you're probably going to get two within the space of seven days here. So let we'll see what we fancy watching. Uh, so it'll be a bit of a surprise and um, we'll, 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 we'll go from there. You'll see, you'll know when it's released so anyway thank you so much for joining me guys and i hope you've all enjoyed this week's show give it a share if you're on itunes give it a five star rating it really helps us get back up the charts there and gets more people listening to the show check out the slasher street facebook page slasher street podcast on facebook give us a like on there for all the latest updates and horror memes all that good stuff and uh, without any further ado please stay safe out there we're almost at the end of this shit storm it's amazing like as i said earlier in the show things are starting to get back to normal here in the uk theme parks are back open i think we might actually get to disney in september who knows i'm not holding up at disneyland paris not america definitely not going to america this year or for the foreseeable future the way things are going unfortunately over there but um we might actually get to paris in september the way it's going so support your local businesses support horror just keep keep focused keep positive it's all good stuff we're nearly there and uh yeah 
we will see you all next week for another episode of Slasher Street Podcast. So, without any further ado, everyone, if you are watching horror movies, we'll see you all next week. And there's only one thing to do, and that is stay scared. Eyes are deceiving me. What you see is real. What's done is done, and what I've done is right. It's the work of science. Yeah.